Jackie will be back next week, but she got me this morning. (laughs) A mother had two boys. One was eight. The other was ten, who were always in trouble. If trouble was to be found, these boys were either the cause or to blame for or in the middle of it. The mother, not knowing what to do, asked the preacher in town if he would mind having a talk with the boys. He agreed and came to the house, asked to talk to the youngest first. Wanting to stress that God is everywhere and that God sees all, he set the boy down and said with a deep voice, Where is God? The boy's jaw dropped. And he, said, he sat silently. Again, the preacher asked, this time pointing his finger at the boy, Where is God? The boy, still silent, a third time, he says, louder, Ask the boy, where is God? The boy gets up, runs to his room, jumps in through his closet and quickly closes the door. The older brother, goes, going to the closet, said to the younger brother, what happened? What went wrong? And he goes, I don't know, but we're really in trouble this time. They've lost God and they think we took him. has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm going to teach this morning. I just thought Herb would appreciate that one. (laughs) I want to talk this morning about being a victorious Christian. Running our race to win and living the victorious life in Jesus Christ. To not lose hope and not lose heart even through great adversity, trials, and persecutions. How do we fight the good fight of faith without losing heart? I'm sure this was a subject that was really close to Paul's own heart. No one's faith was more tested, tried, and put to the fire than Paul's. He was beaten with rods, flogged, arrested, shipwrecked, abandoned by brothers, Stoned and left for dead, and still Paul could say, I will glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am strong. Paul was broken, he was a broken vessel. You know, there's a strange idea in many people's mind that the Christian life is a trip to Disneyland. That somehow uh, it's like getting on the the Pirates of the Caribbean ship and, and shots are flying all over around the boat and you hear them flying, but none of them sort of hit Paul. And you have a smile and as long as you're in that boat, God's going to protect you. But Paul didn't know anything about this kind of walk with Jesus. Paul pleaded three times that God would remove his inflictions and infirmities. And I'm sure at times he lost heart. 
Yet God said, No, for my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness, in brokenness. For me, this this sometimes is a hard thing for us to swallow. Especially when you are going through moments of trials and suffering and you see a friend going through suffering. And for a moment you take your eyes off the Lord, it's easy to lose heart. But this is when the power of Christ is poured out in our lives. This is when we experience some of the greatest moments of Christ and experience the power of Christ in our life. I'm going to turn to 1 Peter and I'm going to show you what Peter has to say about this. He says, In this salvation you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while... If need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen, you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. As Paul talks to the church in Corinth. Starting at verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. What ministry is Paul talking about? He's talking about grace through faith that we have received eternal life through Jesus Christ by believing. Who God who cannot lie has promised to those who believe in the Son of God. Paul said, we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Do me a favor, I just want to be silly this morning. Would you repeat this after me? We do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Amen. Half of you are awake this morning. <laughs> That's good, I'll take half. I have seen people in the church, in this church, lose heart. I've seen them stumble when they see people suffering. And it's easy to do when we watch loved ones suffer. And when we take our eyes off the Lord, He is the author and finisher of our faith. And the truth is, He has promised He will never leave us or forsake us. And a lot of times we forget that. But this is when we are tested by fire. And this is when the Lord takes us from glory to glory. 
This is when the light of Jesus shines on our face. And we shine our brightest light in these times of trial. And God finds out what we're made of. Paul said, by, gr- by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul shows us some ways in which we could lose heart. He goes on in verse 2. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of truth, commended ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. There were, as there are today, hucksters and heisters, Deceivers, false teachers, and false prophets, deceitful workers that were misusing the word of God. Good example is when Jesus went into the Temple Mount and saw them ripping off the children as they came to give their offering to God. And he turned, turned over the money changers. He was angry with a righteous anger. And there are those in the church today. He, Paul says, we do not do that. And I have heard and I have seen well-intentioned pastors and teachers twist the word of God in just a way to prove a point, to make the word of God say what they want to say. How dangerous. Paul says, we don't do that. In fact, what he says is, in the sight of all men walking in an open display of truth. He says, we walk in truth. We don't misuse the word of God. And you either love a little town like this, or it'll drive you crazy, because there's nothing that you do that's in secret. Everything you do, people know. And if you're walking upright, people know. You're a witness. People see whether your walk is what you talk. Whether you're a hypocrite or you walk in truth. And I wanted to say this. I can think of a few TV evangelists that will someday have to answer to God with what they did in the eyes of believers that trusted in them and trusted them with their money and how they handled the word of God. Every single one of us will give account when we stand before Jesus. Verse 3, he goes on to say, but even if our gospel is veiled, if, if it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Who blinds the eyes of the perishing? 
the God of this age. Here Paul calls the devil the God of this age. And I think it's so important for us to remember when people reject our message and they reject us, that they're not rejecting what we have to say and it's not a personal attack. When you are blind, you can't see. And when you give them the gospel message, it may be so clear in your head, and you just think, ah, why don't they just receive it? Knuckleheads? <laughs> but when you're blind, you can't see. I was blind to the truth of Jesus Christ. And I remember people trying to share that to me and it would just make me angry because I thought it was real foolishness. And I rejected it. It was just because God of this age, the devil, blinded my eyes. I'm so thankful that God opened my eyes. Paul understood this really well because he was blind and and to the fact that he persecuted the church. To the point he was so full of zeal that he put Christians to death. And he thought he was doing this for the glory of God. But God had to literally, Jesus literally blinded his eyes on the Damascus road. I'm so thankful God just had to open my eyes. I think it is so important that you and I remember remember that we do not battle flesh and blood, but powers of darkness. And that what do we do when they reject the word? We pray for them. Because only God can open their spiritual eyes. And I know a few people in this church that I prayed for and they're here today. When we think of all the darkness in the world, wickedness and evil of the world, our minds can easily imagine certain people. Hitler, Manson, there's a lot of evil in the world. We can imagine the devil and all of his demons. But what Paul points out here is the wickedest place, the darkest place in the universe is the human heart. And this is the greatest display of the work of God that the world cannot deny the existence of God when God changes a human heart. I remember when I knew I was born again, when God began to change my heart. And when I was praying, God, please change my language. Change my thoughts. Soften my heart. And I remember one time I, I uh, was at work and I came up really hard and I hit a pipe and blood started running down my face. I mean, I hit hard. And usually it was these times 
that all this vulgarity and this profanity would fly out of my mouth and I would just feel defeated. And I said, ouch. It was a loud ouch. (laughs) But I thought, instead of being upset, my eyes started to tear up because I knew that was a moment that God was changing me and giving me a new language in him. And that the Holy Spirit was doing that work in my heart. And I'm not the same person I was when I first believed. And you're not the same people. And it's just an awesome thing. When I look around this church and I see God changing some of you rough characters. And some of you rough gals. <laughs> and God changing your heart and making you a new creation in God. And God taking off all those lumps and molding you and making you new. And that's what Paul says. He says, man, you know, that God has shined in our hearts. Go, let's go to verse, uh, verse 7. Oh, no, verse 5. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus and ourselves bondservants for, for Jesus' sake. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts, who has given light to the knowledge and the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What a glorious thing. Here Paul tells us, this is my proof of integrity. I preach not myself, but Christ. He goes even further to say, I am a bondservant in Christ to you. Paul came to serve. And that's all we are. We're each other's servants. Paul goes on to say, I preach not myself, but I come to serve you. Paul did not seek himself, but to do God's will and to preach Christ crucified. Verse 7, he goes on to say, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of ourselves." Paul described himself and all believers as jars of clay. Hey, good name for a band. (laughs) You know, but he was saying... We are nothing but dirt containers. But we are clay vessels made of dirt. God made Adam out of the dirt. And it's hard to glory when all you are is a dirt clod. Really. And that's what Paul was saying. He says, we're containers of dirt. And why would God take his treasure... And put these in us. That people would not glory in us, but in God. Clay pots in those days were disposable, cheap, a nickel a dozen. 
You use it once and throw it away. In fact, in those days and in ours, the container was defined by what was in the jar. A pickle jar versus a flower pot. A jar of vinegar versus a bottle of perfume. One is more value than the other. Unless you wear Old Spice. Yeah, it's about the same. <laughs> Sorry, you guys. <laughs> and I know that's, that's, the, that's the perfume of Castleford. <laughs> Farmer, farmers, par, farmers perfume. And being earthen vessels, Paul was saying, we are built to contain something, something of value. And we are defined by what contains us, what is contained in us. If you're full of pickles, guess what, guys? You're a pickle jar. If what you feel your vessel is video games, sitcoms, and junk, you're a junk container. You are the treasure that you fill your container with. And in these times when God breaks our vessel, that's what will pour out of our life. Our value is going to be determined by what fills us. And Paul said, we have this treasure in us in these earthen vessels. We are made to contain God. God dwells in us. And that's what Paul was saying. Even to the church in Corinthian, which wasn't a a very upright church at that time, Paul had to correct a lot of problems in the church in Corinth. And he says, you have this treasure in you. We are made to contain God, period. To hold him inside of us. We are made in the image of God, his creation. When we are saved, that's what happened. God comes and dwells in us. And I tell you this morning, I'm assuming that everybody's saved. But that's a wrong assumption. If you're not saved here this morning, if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't leave here this morning without talking to someone and inviting Jesus into your heart. Because he will make you new. But when we invite Jesus into our heart by faith and accept him as Lord and Savior... He not only comes upon us, he comes in our heart. And we become God containers. He takes residence in our heart and we become his. He fills us perfectly and completely. But here's the thing, gang. For us to keep it, we have to give it away. As we step out in faith and we share this treasure, 
This is when God empowers us. He pours His Spirit out in our lives and He does the work of the ministry. God wants what was placed in us to flow out of us and into others. That what we have in our hearts would flow and touch the lives of those around us. But a lot of Christians come week after week and they get filled, go home, and they're satisfied. And by next Sunday, they have to come and get filled all over again. Or they don't hear it all. And it just becomes a ritual. But the thing is, to live the victorious life, we must be broken vessels and poured out on the lives of those around us. You see, this is a hard part. These pots have to be broken. But let's look at what Paul went through for the sake of the gospel message. Verse 8. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. So this is Paul's perspective of a life in Christ. You might say, Fritz, <laughs> this doesn't sound like the victorious life to me. <laughs> but it is. Paul at times, I'm, fi- I'm sure, felt defeated. Paul said, we are hard-pressed on every side. Then he goes on to say, not yet not crushed. He felt backed into a corner. It's like an orange going through an orange squeezer. He says, we're pressed. We're pressed hard on all sides. But God knew, Paul knew that God never left him. He goes on to say, Then he said, we are perplexed. And it was a military term meaning of little hope of escape. If you looked at the situation, and I can't help but think of Paul in jail waiting execution and thinking in his heart, there's no way out of this. I can't get out of this. And then God over and over getting him out and him learning to trust And no, until that day when God was finished with him, God would get him out of every situation. And he grew by faith. And he learned to trust the Lord. Paul tells them, persecuted, but never forsaken of God. He knew every time that he was persecuted, it furthered the spreading of the gospel message. And God was glorified through him. It was easy to see God's hand on Paul's life. And believe me, when you and I are pressed and squeezed and we go through, it's easy for people to see God's hand on our life. 
and God would make a way of an escape. Or, Yahoo! I go home. Either way, Paul wins. Either way, you and I win. When we are going through sickness. Either way, either God's going to heal us, get us through, or God's taking us home. And I got news for you, gang. This isn't our home. Paul goes on to say, we are struck down, meaning the enemy has taken us out. It's like having the enemy's foot on your neck. And Paul's saying, I can't escape. And yet he goes on to stay, but not destroyed. Always caring about the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our life. I can't help but think of Paul taken out of the city and stoned to death and God raising him from the dead. And Paul says, whether dead or alive, God knows. I don't know. I believe God raised him from the dead. And Paul knew, if it be an imitator of Christ, to be transformed into his image of Christ, he would have to suffer. Paul said, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord. This is a clear and realistic picture of what it's like to be a victorious Christian. To to have a life fully devoted to Christ. If you fully commit your life to serving him and telling others about Jesus Christ, you will experience trials. You will experience tribulations, suffering and hardships. Jesus warned every follower that persecution would follow a life devoted to him. But listen to me. I know it sounds bleak, but it's not. Because in every time for you and I to experience the life of victory, we must be in the battle. You and I must be in the fight. And if you're in the sidelines, if you're sitting in the back, it will be fun for a while. But you will soon get bored and leave. Or you'll live a life outside of the miracles. Because every single one of the disciples had to be in the boat to watch Jesus calm the wind and rebuke the waves. Or it's the other way around. Calm the waves, rebuke the wind. (laughs) You had to be in the boat to watch Jesus walk on water. You had to be one of the disciples of Jesus to experience the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Or you were just one of the 5,000 on the hill getting a belly full of food. Because it was only the disciples that got to see the bread and the fishes multiplied before their eyes. 
And they got to see the miracle of God. And for you and I to experience the miracle, you and I have to be in the battle. You and I have to get in the race and run it to win. And that's going to call for us to be broken vessels for the Lord. And sometimes we don't like to hear that. And sometimes when we're going through it, we don't like to go through it. But God breaks us for a reason. We can't experience the life of Jesus without experience the fellowship of his suffering. Can't. Jesus didn't. Jesus went through it. And Jesus said, For the joy that was set before me, he endured the cross. You and I are that joy that was set before him. He gladly took the cross and the sufferings because he was glorified when he suffered for you and me. And I'm so glad he did. In order to be made like Jesus, you and I have to be put in situations and put in places that are sometimes uncomfortable. That we would have to walk as he walked. Where I will have to depend on the power of God and his strength and his might in my life to get me through and get me out of situations. Amen. Paul goes on to say in verse 11, For we who live are always delivered to death for Christ's sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. Paul again tells us the reason that we go through, what we go through is for others. And believe me, gang, when you go through trials... They're watching you. How are you reacting through those trials? This is when our light shines the brightest through these trials. When we go through these testings and what pours out of our life is either a hard heart We may get angry. We may even turn away from the God, away from the Lord. You may get bitter, hard-hearted, or hopefully, what pours out of our life is love, kindness, mercy, grace, meekness, and that's what we're filled with, because that's when the light of the Lord shines through our life. And I can't help think about Brent when he was tested and tried and God called him home when they told him, you have cancer. And that's when Brent's light shined the brightest. And a lot of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because he said, I want a healing. I want God to heal me. We prayed. We trusted. 
He goes, but I want God's will in my life. I want God's perfect will. And if God is through, I don't want to stay here one day longer than what God wants me to. If God is ready to take me home, I want to go. That's faith. That's being tested by fire. And what a witness he was. And I can't help but think of Jeannie. She's shining her brightest light right now. And it is so important that our lives are poured out as a broken vessel. Because Jesus said, I am your example. You will be tested. You will go through persecution. You will be tried. And Peter, the Lord told Peter, the devil has asked for you that he may try you and test you and sift you as sand. And don't think when you are telling people about Jesus and that you are a witness for him that the devil isn't asking for you too. And he isn't asking that he could test you. Oh, if I could just get to him. Lord, let me test him. And sometimes the Lord said, yeah, he's mine. Test him. Because when we are tested, we are perfected in Christ. And God pours out his spirit and we are stronger. For Paul says, in my weakness, in my infirmities, God is made strong. The bottom line is, we know that the same God that raised Jesus Christ is going to raise you and me. And Paul says, I know this. I seen him. I was taken up into the third heaven. I know what's waiting for me. And we are the body of Christ. He is the head. He will raise his body in the resurrection. You and I will be raised. And this is temporary. What we go through here is but a moment. A moment in time. So what we can do to make sure that I'm not crushed and I'm, when I'm hard-pressed on all sides, what can we do? So that I don't get destroyed every time I'm knocked down and knocked off my feet. Paul goes on to say, Since we have this same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us to you for all things are for your sake. That grace having spread through the, through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Paul says, this is our end. This is why I run my race. I will be raised. He goes on to say, therefore we do not lose heart, even though 
Our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. How do we keep from losing heart? When we struggle with this body, with this shell that God has given us, when everything seems to be falling apart, and you people that are young, it will. (laughs) We can rest assured that God is preparing us for glory. Our inward man is being prepared for glory and and we are being renewed day by day. And it is falling apart. No stopping it. It's the laws of gravity. You can exercise, you can paint it up, but you can't stop the hands of time. We're fighting a losing battle. Luckily, my eyes are going faster than the rest of me. And I can't see the extent of my fall yet. <laughs> when, I, when I look in the mirror. <laughs> but Paul goes on when he says, we look beyond this life and beyond what we can see. When we look at heaven in our home, we see our afflictions here diminish and being small. He goes on to say, These are our light afflictions in which we experience but for a moment. I like Jackie's illustration of that long string that goes across. And this life is that speck on that long string. And how we are poured out and how we handle the message of grace and of this treasure in us of eternal life that God has put in us will affect what goes on for eternity in our lives. Because God is storing up for us in heavenly places, treasures in heaven. No matter what we do, no matter how close we try to stay, we are going to experience difficulties in this life. If you are going to be conformed into the image of Jesus, if you are going to live the victorious life in Christ, if you are going to run your race to the end with endurance, if you are going to be clay in the potter's hand, he's going to have to take some lumps out of your life for him to conform you into his son, Jesus Christ. That means we're going to have to give up our will, our life over to the will of God and trust Him. I want to be found in Him. In my weakness, He is strong. In my brokenness, I become like Him. I am so thankful to be known as His.
I'm so thankful he was broken for me. I'm so thankful he was broken for you. I want to see things through an eternal perspective because I see things temporal. I see things that I can see. And I can easily, running my race, get my eyes off the Lord and lose heart. And Paul says, don't lose heart. You don't see the whole picture. You don't see all that is in store for you. You don't see what God is going doing through your trials. And I know when I was hit by a truck, I just I told Joni, this is not good. <laughs> it wasn't. No one wants to be hit by a truck. But I can see now God's hand in that. And I can see what a witness that was. And that people were looking at how I would handle that situation. And if you are going through a trial, don't think that God can use this for his glory. And that this wasn't an accident that God let this pass through your life. I want to see with eternal eyes. I want to see what's ahead. Sometimes I think, just like Paul, I would like to be taken up and seen. You know, what have you got prepared for me, Lord? For our home is in heaven, amen? Let's all stand and pray. I'd like the band to come on up. And the ushers to come forward. What a perfect time to say, to have communion this morning and say to the Lord, I'm yours. Conform me. Use me, Lord. I surrender to all that you have for me. I want to remember that you were broken for me. This wasn't a cheap price. This is a treasure in me that was paid with a price. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we see only earthly things. Lord, we see only our circumstances. We see our infirmities, our momentary afflictions, and we see all this, and sometimes we lose heart, Lord God. Give us spiritual eyes to see that we would have an eternal perspective, that we would see your hand in every trial and every testing, Lord God, that, that you are making us to be like you. Help us to trust Help us to surrender. Help us to give our all in all to you, Lord God. That we would be soft clay in your hands. In our trials, help us to be a light to others. That we would flow from others. And that what would shine out of our life, Lord, is love, mercy, grace, kindness, 
Lord, that through these trials, Lord, that we would shine our brightest. Lord, that people would know that we are yours and called by your name. Lord, uh, so impossible without your spirit. Lord, we pray that you just continue to pour your spirit out on our life. Lord, that we would be a light for you in our afflictions, Lord. Lord, perfect us that we would be found victorious in your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.